Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers got a huge win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They looked like they actually cared, so that's been nice. 11 out of the last 12 quarters have actually been good basketball. So, is it maybe time to start saying things are turning around? No, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Lakers beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. LeBron, I believe, has only lost one game in Cleveland for other organizations uh, than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, he looked magnificent out there. He was all over the place. He murdered Jeff, uh, <laughs> Kevin Love. Uh, he, he killed Kevin Love so badly, I just forgot Kevin Love's name. Uh, he, just, he just absolutely was, you know, vintage LeBron out there. Uh, the Lakers were a lot smarter with the ball. They were a lot more active on both sides. They didn't run. They didn't go into their you know ISO heavy late game offensive strategy that I think has really shot them in the foot a few times over the course of the season. And that's honestly what a good Lakers win can and should look like when Anthony Davis is not available. Wenyan Gabriel, I thought, gave great minutes as as the small ball five. He's in in um, injected with the Lakers with some athleticism that they just flat out haven't had other than AD at the center spot. And honestly, even for some stretches earlier this season, AD wasn't moving the way that Wenyan Gabriel is capable of it. So uh, he has been fantastic. DJ Augustine went 6 of 6 from three-point range, and you can really see the impact of point guard shooting on the Lakers' uh, offense and what they're able to do out there while he is playing the way that he has played. And, and it, like, it's just, it just really kind of hammers home. Look, the Lakers uh, have done a good job of rebounding over the course of the season, finding Gabriel, finding Stanley Johnson, finding now DJ Augustine, and... Uh, you know, it's great that they've been able to do that, but like the things that they looked for in Gabriel, Augustine, and Johnson are the exact things that they should have been looking for all along. Your point guard doesn't need to be some dynamic athlete who uh, eases the burden on LeBron by way of just being better than everybody. No, you ease the burden on LeBron by making a player easier for LeBron to play with. You want LeBron to have the ball. Um, when when it comes to Stanley Johnson and winning Gabriel, it's not exactly shocking that the Lakers finding bigger, stronger, faster type athletes has made the Lakers a more successful and a more physically capable team, uh, when those guys have been out there and are given full shots to, to really go out and and do their thing. So, uh, look, the, the Lakers still have a couple games up on, Everybody who was, <laughs> air quotes, chasing them for that 10 spot. And it, it seems with this win, maybe another one, that they'll they'll get to a point where I don't see another team winning four or five games more over a 10 or 11 game stretch. Um, and uh, so, you know, the play-in is still, it's now more on the table than it's felt like in, in quite some time. We should be getting some word, I would imagine, in the next week or so about Anthony Davis and his potential return, which looks a little bit more likely now given that the Lakers are playing with a little more energy. Um, this this stretch, this three-game stretch here, uh, I, I, is a, it's a really important one. And, and yeah, it'd been, it would have been nice to, to beat 
Washington and have a three-game winning streak. Um, their first two or more game winning streak since January 7th, uh, that would be. But look, you take the good basketball as you can take it, and you don't read into it much further than that until the Lakers show that consistently they are something other than they have shown themselves to be for the vast majority of the season. LeBron's energy being at the level it was at and the Lakers matching that energy, I thought was another big story here. And it's been the story now for the Lakers basically since LeBron has shown up. This is just kind of how it goes in the NBA. The star, to a very large extent, dictates organizationally the kind of commitment to culture on and off the court that is to be expected with the rest of that franchise. And yeah, it's not necessarily fair to expect 37-year-old LeBron James to carry that burden uh, on both ends of the court and, and you know just maintain that kind of energy that he played with last night or in the Lakers' wins. But again, it, it just gets back to the point of, and while it isn't necessarily fair, I don't think it's necessarily unfair either, that, hey... Uh, If you are still going to be the team's best player, it is expected of you to lead by example when it comes to how you play on both ends of the court. And, you know, what really kind of rubbed me the wrong way uh, over the course of last week before this nice little three-game stretch that the Lakers are on, which, by the way, LeBron has looked like he cares a lot more on both ends of the court during this three-game stretch. Uh, But, you know, when, when... he was just clearly kind of chasing points and was essentially a designated hitter out there. Uh, it wasn't shocking that the Lakers defensively just didn't really have the energy. They are taking notes from their leader there. And again, not fair, not necessarily unfair either, but that's how leadership works. And LeBron knows this. Like That's, that's how every team he's probably ever been on functions. It's on him to lead by example on both sides of the court. I thought he did a great job of that last night in this win in Cleveland. And so long he continues to do that, I think the Lakers have a better shot of matching that energy more consistently. I Look, I, I think it's pretty clear based on some of the stuff that you see between the whistles um, that the Lakers' chemistry is not in a particularly healthy place. But winning fixes that and you have to do what it takes to win to start to fix that so I I think with where the Lakers head next it's all going to again fair or not it's really going to depend on the level of commitment to good basketball on both ends of the court that LeBron is willing to maintain I want to segue quickly over to winning time. I didn't have a show yesterday, and I had a couple notes on the show. And um, so first and foremost, uh, most importantly here, uh, I I think their portrayal— Look, I am the same person who gets kind of annoyed with the amount of attention that Jerry West has gotten for the way that they have portrayed him in the show so far this this season. Um, We were just kind of—we were unofficially introduced— to Chick Hearn in last episode, the second episode of the series, when he made a comment about Spencer Hayward that uh, was 
was I, it didn't seem much in line with with what we kind of know um, about Chick Hearn to this point. And then you know, there's a scene in episode three where he uses a just in, insanely offensive homophobic word to describe Pat Riley's voice. And uh, there's, you know, there's a couple, there's one uh, moment in which he said something about Magic Johnson and saying that uh, he contracted AIDS, but at least he didn't, he, he, he didn't do it the wrong way. Um, you know, clearly homophobic there, but uh, that's it in terms of that type of behavior. And nobody that, is, you know, has known Chick Hearn has, has said that that was something that he did much of behind the scenes. So I, I uh, look, it's, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying that, uh, that Chick Hearn, an older white guy, uh, would have backwards views on race and on, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community. Uh, many people back then probably really regret the way that they felt about that community compared to where we're at now. And it's not to say that we've made anywhere near enough, you know, progress in that respect, but it has been progress. And, that kind of progress shows up when you see that kind of language and you and you're you're taken aback like whoa that's not that's not how we talk about members of that community or people that you are alleging might be members of that community it, and you know the other thing too that needs to be pointed out here is that Pat Riley was initially kind of sort of offered the gig by Chick Hearn so uh you know that scene it comes off as almost cool, completely fabricated. So I, I don't know what the choices there were with how they're, how they're going about this, but um, that's something that, you know, you can, it is a show and they are highlighting the differences in the times then to compare to where we are now. That is a part, a very big part of this show. Um, but I think you could do that without complete fabrication of events. A uh, shameless plug here on my show that I'm going to be recording here in a couple hours or so. By the time you guys are listening to this, I'm going to have the the guy who plays, the actor who plays Chick Hearn. Uh, his name is Spencer Garrett. He is going to come on, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask him about some of this stuff and what the process was, how much of it was his own choice, how much of it was the script, how did the script come about Like when, when it comes to a back and forth on this kind of choice uh, and series of choices. Um, so we'll see what, what that comes to, um, and you'll be able to listen to that again. Like I said a second ago, it will. Be, I'm recording that at 11 a.m. Pacific time, um, and I'll get that show up as, as quickly as I possibly can. The other part of, of the winning time, and this is more of an undertone to one of the central themes here is uh, Dr. Jerry Buss in his pursuit of victory, um, you know, as undying as it was, is is really kind of striking here. And, um, you know, again, we have spoken all year about the Lakers kind of aversion to 
spending this season because of a variety of factors. Um, but I think it's important to note that over the course of this show, one of the central kind of ideals that Dr. Jerry Buss possessed was that, hey, um, you make money by winning and you have to spend money to win. And, you know, it, it's um, I've enjoyed the show for, for the most part. Obviously, I have a couple notes here and there. I, I, I'd go so far as to say I've really enjoyed the show. Um, and one of the, the kind of nails I think they're really hitting on the head here is is Dr. Buss's kind of obsession with winning and doing whatever it takes to employ the best people that give him the best chance at winning. And, you know, the Lakers are going to have to make a coaching decision probably this this upcoming um, offseason. They are going to probably have to swallow a, a, a tough couple of pills when it comes to what to do with Russell Westbrook's contract and, and whatever they have to do to get back to title contention. Um, and I hope that everybody, you know, affiliated with the Lakers, working with the Lakers, who happen to be watching this series, um, come to recognize that central ideal, that cornerstone ideal, frankly, of the Los Angeles Lakers franchise under Dr. Jerry Buss's stewardship. Uh, that, that central idea of if you win... We make money, um, and that's just proven. By the way, the Lakers probably by foregoing by, by passing on bringing back Alex Caruso, by cheapening out on in other decisions that they have made uh, over the last few years, whether it was lowballing Ty Lue, um, is in 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 going with Frank Vogel. Yeah, Frank won a championship, but Ty Lue is just a better coach, and the Lakers would be in a better spot right now with Ty Lue as their coach. And they very easily could have had it. He had a birthday cake about the Lakers, um, you know, that, that he he had that one offseason. So um, the Lakers need to get back to spending whatever it takes to employ the best people in throughout the organization. And unfortunately here, the two, this probably means taking a good hard look at that central core of decision makers where it's the Rambi who have, I think, an outsized voice in some of the thing uh, of the stuff, and however the the hell it works when um, you know Rob Palenka and the Rambi and Genie and Clutch all get together and start making these decisions, they need to they need to you know I hope they're taking some notes on what made the Lakers the Lakers as we've seen so far in the first three episodes of Winning Time. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lowdown. A little longer one this time because uh, I was on vacation and I had a little bit more to say. We'll get back to your kind of regularly recorded lowdowns uh, in, in starting tomorrow. Again, you're going to want to check out uh, the Anthony Irwin show today that I'm going to be recording with Spencer Garrett. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about Chick Hearn and also just get to some process stuff because I'm curious how one prepares to to portray one of the most iconic people and voices in American sports history. So um, looking forward to that. And then check out the Taco Tuesday guys who recorded last night after the Lakers win and where they currently stand on this Lakers team that seems interested at least in giving us a couple reasons to maybe hope. Until tomorrow and until maybe in a couple hours from now, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.